On the last episode of Solvable. Love even said that a biker by the name of Spider had actually thrown Delta over that bridge. He was in a biker club. We explored the confession and subsequent recanting of the self-professed serial killer, Levy Riddle, in the case of baby Jane, Delta Dawn. But in the end, it led law enforcement no closer to identifying baby Jane or her missing mother. In 2020, as our team was wrapping up a trip to Jackson County, Mississippi, and meeting with the sheriff and investigative team, Chief Deputy Ledbetter received a call with incredible news. Investigators had made big strides in positively identifying baby Jane Delta Dawn. Based on the results that had come in via the genetic genealogy report that Othram Labs had provided them, the sheriff's office assembled a team and sent them up to Missouri to chase a lead. One of those officers on that team, a man named Joe Bignell, did an interview with us to explain why the group traveled so far away from Jackson County. We had gotten the name uh, of the potential mother. We had a Facebook page. We dug deep into that Facebook page and started going through everything that was on there. Family members, anywhere that she might have been. We did law enforcement databases. We checked into those. Uh, We checked a lot of the open source databases that will track where basically a, a person has lived. And what we were hoping and trying to find was some connection between the potential mother and Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, somewhere down here along the Gulf Coast. And actually, Sam, I'd come home and, and had her start looking through the archives and the newspapers, which she's gotten pretty good at over the years, and just trying to dig and see if there was anything with the name that we were given that would put the potential mother in South Mississippi or anywhere along the Gulf Coast. Unfortunately, we were not able to make the connection. There was nothing showing that she was ever here in the late 70s to the early 80s when the baby would have been born. Joe referenced someone by the name of Sam in that last segment, and I think it's a good time to give a little backstory. You see, Sam is Joe's wife. Prior to our interview, we had no idea that Sam actually knew about this case long before her husband. She first found out about the case of baby Jane Delta Dawn nearly 12 years ago while doing research on the unidentified victims of Hurricane Katrina. So I learned about her case. It was probably 2008. I had graduated high school in 2006 after Katrina hit. I was a senior when Katrina, Hurricane Katrina hit. And there is still... I think it's two does from Hurricane Katrina. They're buried in Jackson County, and I was researching that because I was seeing, you know, if everybody had been found. And whenever I started researching those does, I started researching and seeing all the other Jane does in the area. And I realized she's only, you know, five years older than me. I found her, and then I found the other baby Jane in Jackson County. And so I just went down a complete rabbit hole. I started back then in like 2000. Eight, I think it was. I had first learned about it, again, like I said, uh, while working on shift with Lieutenant Versage. It was just one of the, the cases that had come up that he had, uh, he had always looked into. So it was probably, probably seven, eight years ago when I first heard about the case. At the time, I was a patrolman. I didn't really, you know, just kind of read what Darren had on it, and that was about it. Joe and Lieutenant Darren Versage 
who we interviewed last episode, both work together at the Pascagoula Police Department. They're good friends, and were actually even next-door neighbors for a while. Their interest in baby Jane's case grew more the longer they lived and worked together in southern Mississippi. Just constantly talking about the case. That's kind of where it had got brought to my attention again after originally hearing about it probably seven, eight years ago. Here's the thing. Joe and Darren worked for Pascagoula Police Department, not for the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. And Joe actually went on to work for the FBI by the time he really got interested in the case. So I asked him how it even came to be that he started working on the Baby Jane Delta Dawn investigation to begin with. We had known Baby Jane was exhumed in 2008 and they had a DNA profile. So I had reached out to Eddie Clark with Jackson County. I was just curious if they had sent the DNA off or if that was an option. And when I talked to him, he said that they, they were in the process of getting the DNA back from a lab and they were working on finding a lab to send it to to do the genealogy on it. And it kind of died off after that. Again, I think that was the end of 2019. So probably six months later, again, now I'm over at the, I've been over at the FBI for about probably a year and a half. And I learned about an FBI case that they had had with three missing women, I guess not missing, murdered women from Pascagoula between, I think it was 75 and 79 that the FBI had. One of them, Clara Turk, her body was found in an area called Pollock's Ferry. Baby Jane and another black male, I believe he was skeletonized when he was found. I actually have the case file sitting right here in my office if you want to come over and grab it. And it come to bed a matter of days and Jeremy Miller, the uh, evidence tech at the time for Jackson County, it called me and said, hey, we just got the results back from Othram they're saying that they've located a, a potential mother and father. So I went back across the street, sat down with Captain Muffley and Eddie Clark and Jeremy, and I said, if y'all don't mind, I would like to help out with the investigation. I said, I think there's some resources that we could bring to the table if, if y'all are willing. And they said, absolutely. So from that point forward, we were just kind of working as a, as a team to, to get this solved. Together, everyone on the team began reviewing the new leads that had come in from the genetic genealogy results. After researching social media and ancestry sites, the officers narrowed down the possible identity of baby Jane's mother or a close relative, a woman named Teresa, who lived in Joplin, Missouri. And I I think what the lab had told us was, we believe this is the mother. It is possible that she could be an aunt. How did you prepare for the trip to go up to Missouri? I had gotten with one of the other, uh, one of the special agents that I work with. And again, it was a lot of digging into the background of Teresa and and trying to find potential family members of Teresa, uh, any children that she might have had, husbands. We really tried to dig into the family Teresa and and her immediate family. We reached out to Jasper County, had them check all of their databases, and the the addresses that we were finding for Teresa is the same addresses that that they were showing in their local databases. So we thought we had a pretty good chance of being able to locate her once we got out there. 
we flew here out of Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, we flew straight into Joplin, Missouri. We had uh, each rented a car. Me and one of the special agents from the office went up there with me. We, uh, I think we got in on a Tuesday, Tuesday evening. I had reached to Detective uh, Paul Ayers with Jasper County. And then the following morning, Wednesday, we had went and we had met with him. We kind of told him what we had, what we were looking to do. And then for the next couple of days, we were trying to obtain Teresa's DNA. But we were running out of time. We had a, a flight booked back on Friday morning and come Thursday afternoon, we had the address, but she hadn't really left the house. So at that point, we had Detective Ayers reach out to her over the phone and we told her that, that we we would like to come sit down and talk to her. Super nice, her and her husband, that I think at the time they were they were out at one of their rental properties and she said, I'll be back at the house in 30 minutes if y'all can meet me there. How confident did you feel that when you were arriving there that you were probably knocking on the door of a mother? How did you feel like from a confidence perspective that that was who you were approaching? Based off of all of her Facebook and and the pictures and the, and the posts, I was not 100% that she was going to be the mom. And we couldn't find anything to tie her to the Gulf Coast. It was probably about 80-20 that, that she could have been the mom, but there was definitely that doubt in the back of our mind when we were walking up there that she might have been a family member. The Jackson County Sheriff's Office provided our team with body camera footage from an officer who was on that trip. That body camera footage shows the moment authorities met with Teresa. Since this is a podcast, we'll play you some of the audio clips from the interaction. But out of respect for privacy of the family and other individuals shown in the footage, we're not going to publish the video on our website. As the investigators walked up the driveway on that hot August day, Don, who is Teresa's husband, met them outside with a friendly wave and a little joke. You Don, talked to Teresa on the phone. She said she was working you today. I'm Paul Ayers. Good to meet you, Don. What am I in trouble for today? <laughs> we ain't got room for you. We don't want you. After exchanging greetings with the team, Don welcomed them inside, where Teresa was waiting. Officer Joe Bignell described them both as super nice people, and you definitely get that vibe while watching the video. The couple made small talk about ongoing construction projects while everyone got settled in the living room. We sat down in the living room and just kind of explained what we had. We introduced ourselves, uh, and we told her that we were here on behalf of the Jackson County Sheriff's Office for a case from 1982 where they had an unidentified person, and through DNA, we believed that Teresa may be a relative. During the meeting, the investigators intentionally withheld specific details of why they were there. They only provided Don and Teresa with enough information to spark a conversation with Teresa on the topic of Jackson County and the year 1982 to see what she'd say. Joe and his colleagues didn't tell the couple the age or the gender of the unidentified person they were looking into. All they said was that they believed the unidentified person could be a relative of Teresa's. What Teresa revealed next cracked the investigation wide open. 
14 minutes into Jackson County investigators' initial conversation with Teresa from Joplin, Missouri, she said five words that changed the entire scope of the investigation. I hope my sister. I hope it's my sister. A sentence the team of officers were not expecting to hear at all. Teresa went on to tell Joe and his colleagues that her sister, a woman named Gwen, and Gwen's daughter, a baby named Alicia, had been missing since Thanksgiving, 1982. Right off the bat, the first thing she said was, I hope you all found my sister Gwen. She's been missing since 1982. And at that moment, we knew we were going to identify baby Jane. What a moment that must have been. It was, because she was still under the impression that we were there talking about Gwen. She had no idea at that point that it was her niece. And trying to not give it away with facial expressions and the level of excitement of just after 38 years, we have found the answer. We're going to find out what happened. It was trying to put on your best poker face. In the body camera footage, Teresa provided the investigators with Gwen and Alicia's dates of birth and recalled what she remembered from the period of time right before they disappeared in 1982. Teresa had amazing memory, like dates and times and just recalled it. Like from 1982, she was just spouting off the dates. She knew when Alicia was born. She knew her birthday, Gwen's birthday, the time that Gwen had disappeared. She was really good with providing details that helped us out later on. You also hear in the body camera clips, Joe revealing to Teresa what the goal of the law enforcement team's visit was. We're asking you if you'd be willing to submit DNA so we know that we're going in the right direction with this investigation. Yeah, can you tell me who though? <laughs> we um, don't know, that's the problem. The, the victim is unidentified. So they don't know. All they know is the DNA says that that victim could be related to you. For investigators, it must have been really hard to sit there with poker faces, knowing what they knew in their hearts about baby Jane's case. Just, and and I was hoping going in that we were going to get some answers. But, I mean, it was exciting to be sitting there. and, And finally, after, I mean, it's been eight years since I had heard about the case. And then when you look into it and you see all the people that it had touched down here in Pascagoula and in Jackson County, the deputies who paid for the grave, all the investigators that have dug into this. Back in 2008, a new investigation was launched and they exhumed the body. All of the time and the effort and the amount of people that had looked into this case, and then for me to be the one sitting in the living room and getting the information direct, knowing that we are about to make the phone call back to Jackson County and tell them she has a name. Like it was, it was overwhelming, but you couldn't show that at the time. Our team just so happened to be at the Jackson County Sheriff's Office during a roundtable discussion with investigators when Joe made that call to Chief Deputy Ledbetter. The following audio is the first time the Jackson County Sheriff Mike Izal and the rest of the investigative team learned of the breaking discovery. At that time, the initial information was relayed that baby Jane's name was pronounced Alyssa, but soon after, we learned it to be pronounced Alicia. Listen, listen to this. Okay. Speak now. 
made contact with Mama. Okay. Okay. And he said that went amazingly well. Went to the door. They had a body camera of the sheriff's office and whatever. It was from Jackson County, Mississippi, investigating the cold case. And we'd like your DNA. She said, really? She said, I hope it's the, the case of my missing sister. 37 years, and she just rattled off 37. It's going to be 37 years ago, my sister went missing and her one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And I went off with a guy and with her husband. And it's probably the guy that they were headed to Florida. And okay, left Missouri and, and headed to Florida. And the baby's name is Alyssa. That's what we got. But that's not the DNA's, and that's not her mama. That's mama's sister. See, that makes okay? more sense to yeah, me. Yeah, it does. That's mama's <laughs> sister. Sister went missing. Yeah, that makes sense. Sister missing. As Joe Bignell and the rest of the team collected Teresa's DNA and continued talking to her about Gwen and Alicia, she mentioned that she had a letter that her sister had sent to her in the months prior to her disappearance. She also had old photos of Gwen and Alicia in boxes that she wanted to provide investigators. She disappeared out to a storage shed and then returned to search in another room of the house. After a few minutes, Teresa emerged with the letter and photos for the investigative team. They all gathered around her kitchen counter and Joe asked Teresa to sign paperwork, authorizing him to collect a series of DNA samples from her. He planned to use those to prove that Teresa was not Alicia's mother, but in fact, Teresa's missing sister Gwen was Alicia's mother. Everyone sort of made light of the very official situation by smiling and joking that it wasn't near as bad as having a COVID-19 test. The moment the officers left and were in the silence of their rental cars, they were finally able to heave a sigh of relief and openly express how monumental and successful that visit was. I think all three of us were just kind of like, oh my God, like that just happened. Just complete shock that we walked in there not really knowing what to expect and came out with the story, with what had happened and the names. And we had no idea about when at that point. So now we've got a second missing person. We had one identified, but now we know who Alicia's mom is and that she's got to be out there somewhere as well. How hard was it to get back on that plane in your mind I mean, you sound like the kind of investigator that you're like, man, let's go out and get the investigation. Let's go out and get the interviews. Let's go do it. Was it hard for you? Yeah. Well, yeah, because I knew that next morning, bright and early, we were going to have to get up and, and get on a plane and head back to South Mississippi. And I mean, I, w- I was ready to go back out there the next week. But unfortunately, it wasn't just me. We had other investigators that were needing to go from Jackson County. The team was determined to keep the momentum of the investigation going. But before pushing ahead, Joe personally took a moment to share the good news with one person who'd appreciate it as much as the investigators. As soon as the team that had gone to Joplin, Missouri realized Teresa had verbally, positively identified baby Jane Delta Dawn, Officer Joe Bignell's first phone call was to his wife, Sam. I knew I was excited, and she had so much more invested in identifying 
baby Jane than I did. I cried. Yeah, she cried. She cried on the phone. She did. I did. <laughs> so it was amazing to be able to make that phone call home. I wasn't sure if he would get any information when he went up there because whenever he goes on these type of trips, he's busy the whole time. And we have a nine-year-old daughter, so I'd be him with her. So we didn't talk to him much at all because they were in the vehicle the whole time. So I wasn't sure if they would have a name or if they would even get any type of leads or if they would have to wait for DNA to come back and all of that. So I really wasn't expecting information on who it could be or that they knew the baby's name. I was speechless. I just cried. I just cried because for so long she was called Delta Dawn or Baby Jane. And now she had her name, Alicia. And so people could call her her name and she is not forgotten. Even though she never was forgotten and she was not forgotten by her family, they always looked for her. After briefly celebrating on their trip home from Missouri, Joe and his colleagues turned their attention back to the task ahead of them. While they waited for some more DNA results to come back from Teresa's samples, they started following up on other information she'd provided them about Gwen and Alicia. Their notepads were filled with details of Gwen's life, including information about where she was and who she may have been with in the days leading up to her and Alicia's disappearance. There were several new avenues of investigation that had serious promise of holding new clues, including the fact that Gwen had been married a few times. Her life had quite a bit of chaos, and most interesting of all, she'd had a tumultuous affair. She was kind of, you know, the wild child, and, you know, and, and didn't have a, a good way of picking men and always, you know, the rough crowd. That's on the next episode of Solvable.